Hi, I'm Jamie Winkup. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tander. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. It's the last sprint race before the Enduro Cup. In saying that, that's also a track that the, the whole field's covered by... Uh, you know, a few tenths of a second. And Lee checks out Bathurst. But, you know, I suppose if, if someone was injured, they'd be asking why that wasn't there, so... Uh... That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Inside. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max crew for Performance Racing and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Sydney is in its final year of its contract and V8 Supercars is still looking for ways to secure its future with the latest idea to run a Saturday twilight race. The idea was floated this week in News Limited's press with the goal of having a race that will finish around 8.30pm. New CEO James Warburton has been outspoken about the series finding ways to race in prime time and the December date allows the series to try and capitalise on a later start with a street circuit providing the infrastructure to allow fans to safely disperse after the event. James Moffat has been re-signed by Nissan Motorsport with the Norton driver now linked to the team in a multi-year deal which will provide him with security in the second half of this season knowing that he's locked in with a future in the main game. Oh, I'm very happy to, uh, to say that you know, I'm going to be here at Nissan Motorsport for another few years at least and uh, I guess also nice to lock it away relatively early and not have to worry about that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, looking forward to the future. Obviously, uh, it's been a massive undertaking by everybody involved to uh, get us to where we are um, at this stage and um, sort of feel like the future holds some uh, promising things for us. So, for me, um, it was always my intention to stay with the team and luckily they felt the same way about having me around. So, really looking forward to getting stuck into the next few years and uh, hopefully having some strong results. This is 2013's your third full-time year in the in the championship um, and this is the first time you've had some you know real long-term stability I suppose in the game as well that must be comforting uh, knowing what you're going to be doing moving forward. Yeah absolutely it's always uh, it's, it's never easy going year by year and not knowing what you're doing the following year so to be able to lock away a deal that uh, Gives me uh, a bit of security, if you like. Um, is nice, but at the same time, uh, I think we all know that you know there's still uh, a lot of work ahead of us. But um, like I said, there's some promising hap- promising things happening, which um, you know made my decision 
uh, a lot easier to, to stay. And um, also the fact that um, the, the team were keen to keep me, I think that was important because uh, you've both got to want to work together and uh, you know, building some continuity into the program um, should only make us stronger. Moffat spoke about the Nissan program and how he has seen it develop. Yeah, I think, you know, when you look back at the Grand Prix and we, we rolled out there and finished fifth in the first race, which was essentially the uh, the fourth race, the second race, sorry, which was essentially the fourth race for the Nissan Altima after the two races at Clipsal. That was a pretty uh, amazing feat to, you know, run in the top five of this championship. And, um, you know, we've had a bit of an up and down year, but um, all in all, I think uh, when you, you stand back and put it all into perspective of the tasks that everybody's had in front of them just to get the cars to the grid um, at Clipsal and then you know the development process of the car throughout the year, um, you know naturally you always want more, but um, it's I guess for me part of the reason of re-signing is, is knowing the potential that we still have in the package you know we're clearly not racing our best package at the moment so uh, that was something that I really took into consideration and uh, you know, ho- hopefully when we get a, on top of the few issues that we're having with the engine in terms of the power um, I think we can be a real force uh, we've proven on a number of occasions this year that the chassis seems to be working quite well um, so we just need to, to work on the engine and uh, everybody knows that within the team and we're busy trying to rectify it. It's just a matter of time and you know, I didn't want to be uh, jumping teams and uh, not re- re- you know, reap the benefit of uh, some of the work that I put in here. Lee Holsworth has spent a day looking over the safety improvements made at the Bathurst circuit ahead of this year's great race. Firstly, with the work done along pit straight. Yeah, I think obviously uh, we're, we're trying to keep up um, with the, the safety aspects every year and, and every year we come back there's, uh, there's been improvements to uh, make sure the, the drivers are um, at less risk and, and also the spectators. But, um, you know, we see here over uh, just this morning having a look at the upgrades, you know, you've got, um, you've got a... a the, the barrier down the front straight has been moved back so there's more room for uh, cars to sort of escape any damage if, if someone stalls on the line you can uh, use a bit more of that off-road to, uh, to get around them and also if someone gets collected and bounces into the, uh, into the safety uh, barrier they don't bounce back onto to the track in front of people so that's great but um, I suppose the, uh, the downside will probably be that there's going to be a, safe, uh, a debris fence along the side in front of the spectators and uh, they probably won't like that too much but um, fortunately it's not very high, it's only two metres, uh, just over two metres high so they'll be able to see over it, there's a good bank, a uh, good hill behind so they can see right over the top of it and... Um, but, you know, I suppose if, if someone was injured, they'd be asking why that wasn't there. So, uh, you know, it's all good. Okay. On the fastest corner in Australia, the chase, it will now be even safer in Holsworth's eyes. Uh, yeah, the modifications down to, uh, through the chase, um, they've, uh, they've changed the profile of the wall. Um, I think this is a good thing because we've seen some pretty horrific accidents out of the chase um, because of the angle of, that that wall uh, did... Uh, sit in the in the past, um, you know, you'd hit it at a at a pretty decent angle. So now it's more of a straight line. It follows the uh, the track, 
and uh, I suppose there's probably less room to uh, to come off and um, and run back on. But you know, if you do hit the fence, you're not going to hit it at a at a really great angle. Um, so hopefully, less damage for the for the car and the driver. It's in such a different place to, to others. There's that element of danger um, for the driver. That's what the spectators want to see and, and what the drivers love. So um, uh, I think if we take too much of that away, it, uh, it takes away a little bit from, from the Bathurst track. Winton this weekend and the Kellys have been testing ahead of the event. Todd talked about what they achieved. Yeah, well, we've come off a two-day test um, prior to the weekend. So... Uh, there's a lot of stuff that we tried on the cars, a lot of good directions. We didn't spend a huge amount of time fine-tuning the car for specific issues for that circuit, uh, which we'll do a lot more of in practice at the actual race meeting. Rick Kelly is confident that they'll be able to continue their progress over the past few events. Well, it was great for us to be able to do some laps um, around around winter. We've obviously done a couple of passenger ride days since the Queensland round, which are fun, but obviously you're always just a little bit conservative with someone else in the car. So for, for us to be able to have a little bit of free time, if you like, at a racetrack where we can uh, get in the car and, and try everything from a setup point of view, but also from a driving technique point of view, was, uh, was quite exciting. And the day was very productive, actually. We went through a lot of things that you just don't get the chance to actually try um, at a race meeting because of practice and time restrictions and uh, look, the car handled really well and from that test we're, we're pretty uh, pretty happy to flow into the Winton round and um, and confirm I guess the things that we learned at the test and, and see if we can implement them for you know some improved results uh, at, the, at the round. But both are mindful of the work that needs to be done to improve the performance of the Nissan engine. Certainly if uh, you had to choose one circuit that uh, is least impacted by the, the lack of straight line speed we have at the moment, Winton's probably one of the better ones but in saying that that's also a track that the, the whole field's covered by uh, you know a few tenths of a second so if we are losing uh, a little bit it's certainly still going to knock us around but um, we'll see how we go we'll know a lot more once we get into into practice and then for qualifying I guess we we just definitely just approach it from probably a bit of a neutral standpoint we know where the car's strong and weak and we're just trying to maximise everything we can at the moment to get the best results so we, we don't so much think of you know if it's our best shot or worst shot we just want to go there and and give it our very best and make sure that we've you know we've got on top of everything that's within our control and at this point I'm, I'm very excited and I'm probably a little bit more confident heading into this weekend than the others from the pace we've had at the last you know the last couple of rounds and uh, everything for us continues to to improve and uh, you know we've seen some other teams um, fall back the other way of recent times so for us it's exciting everything is moving forward. Chaz Mostert will be part of the New Zealand Super Touring Enduros with the latest winner joining Ant Pedersen for the two events. Mostert's sponsor, Wilson Security, has been confirmed as a sponsor for this year's Sandown 500. And finally, Ford fans may not know if their manufacturer will be staying in the series, but they can show their support with a new line of limited edition number plates in Victoria. You can get yours at www.vplates.com.au. And that's the news on the Vat Insiders brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. 
Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, it's Andrew Clark from V8X Magazine. Good evening, Clarkie. Hey, Craig, how are you? I'm very well, as I'm sure John Bannon from VX Magazine is also doing quite well. John, great to have Hi. you on the show. Hi, Craig. It's, it's uh, scary. All three of us have got uh, bylines in the last issue. Um, well, it's really quite appropriate when you think it is the leading V8 supercar publication, so it kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, well, that is true too. But, uh, well, Clarky, you wanted to speak about innovation in V8 supercars, and I guess we on the back of James Warburton saying he wants to go twilight racing, he wants to go night racing. That's an innovation of sorts because the first V8 supercar race ever was done at night. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, he's the one who's flagged the concept of innovation and I think it is time for the V8 supercar circus to sit back and say, what do we really want to be and where do we want to represent ourselves? And I think if you look at uh, soccer and the A-League, you know, they decided to take themselves out of the football structure um, and turn themselves into a summer sport. You know, maybe it's time we started having a serious think about the time that we're running our championship, putting it back into the, you know, into the race uh, race structure that suits us, which is decent weather in in southern Australia and um, and all of those kind of things, and you know, longer longer night time. So you know, if we're talking eight eight thirty, getting dark, you know, our twilight races can really be. Um, at our peak viewing audience times and then they can really start to look at it and say okay well we will do this we'll run our races starting at seven o'clock finishing at eight thirty or nine or whatever hey and we'll even do a few in the middle of the week you know like if they want to be innovative let's really sit back and have a good think about it let's not just think it's about sticking a couple of lights on a couple of corners and and that's innovation i think there's a chance now to sit back and do something really clever where would you like to take it john I couldn't agree more with what Clarkie has said there. I think he's he's hit the nail on the head. I'd like to see uh, a championship where there are more night races, but also some genuine thought as to the structure in terms of getting a greater share of the TV audience, uh, getting more bang for your buck for the sponsors uh, and for the teams. And, And to do that, you need to look at where there is space in the market. Now, I think there is some space in the summer market there. The football codes in Australia are very competitive. The A-League is gaining in popularity, but there could be you know, an opportunity there uh, to, I guess, seize on what the A-League have done and, and try and, I guess, compete against them. Uh, to me, it would seem like a, a smart move uh, where you have nighttime races, um, where you make the most of daylight savings, to me it's an obvious um, idea, really, and, and one that should be pursued. It's a I think co- if you look back, you know, 20 years ago, uh, Bob Jane, before he went, you know, wherever he went, was running quite a successful summer series with the NASCARs, you know, and I think it proved that people will um, easily come out at the right time of year, you know. 
like I think, yeah, you say, oh, I'm going to sit in the middle of the sun in the middle of the day and it's 35 degrees here in Melbourne. Um, but, yeah, I'll go and watch a car race at 25 degrees at night. Now, people will be quite happy to do that. It's also a case of getting away from what people are doing on the on the weekends, and that's watching AFL football in three quarters of the country and rugby league on uh, pay TV in the other uh, quarter. Yeah, and I think yeah, you know, they've dead set about the desire to grow the sport. You know, I mean, Archer Capital's invested very heavily in it. Um, they'd be pretty keen to get a good return on that investment, which at the moment I don't think they're doing. So I think, yeah, it, it's, to me, you know, like let's not just talk innovative and talk about race programs. Let's talk about the whole package, you know. And I, I just think that it's the time to sit back. If he, you know, if James Warburton really wants to be innovative, then like let's really open up the thought processes and do something really clever and really creative. And it's, you know, let's look at our race formats. Let's look at the structures, the time of the day, the time of the week, the time of the year. Um, you know, what else can we do to allow these guys to biff and barge their way around corners a little bit, you know? Like, you watch the Watkins Glen NASCAR stuff and you see those big cars being... They're hard to drive. You, you know, they're manhandling them and, uh, you know, and doing all sorts of things with those cars. And it's grey racing, you know? And I don't think that our cars are hard enough to drive in that sense. I think they're hard to get a really fast lap out of. But you look at them and you just think, you know, eh, looks easy. Cars should look hard to drive. They need to look like they they have to be manhandled for people to sit back and say, that looks awesome. Well, John, you're a man in Spa. Did the uh, cars in Spa look hard to drive when you were there? <laughs> the Formula One cars, you mean? Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> I think... Uh, as I remember back when I was doing this full-time as, as a profession, they uh, pitted me up against... Uh, some of the drivers at a fitness camp and, and the, the fitness guy at the end of it gave me a 1 out of 10 in terms of <laughs> my preparation for being able to drive the car. So I think that uh, gives you some idea how difficult it is to drive those sort of cars. I guess on the, the other side of the coin with this argument, while you know we might be able to look at night races and, and this sort of thing, one of the problems, of course, is, is television and and how well um, you get with cameras and lights and and all that sort of thing, and and also I, I guess whether people would would tune in in the evening when got you know other programs to watch and the cricket and if you know we're talking about a summertime thing. So there's other I guess commercial considerations. Of course, the, the A League currently has a, a t- TV deal with Fox, so maybe there is space in the market there for a free to air TV deal um, for night, twilight races, that sort of thing. Well, I think Channel 10 have proven that they're, they're desperate to find something to go up against cricket. I mean, they you know, they were willing to spend a fortune to try and get cricket, so they had some sort of sport over summer because, like, let's face it, who watches the, um, the Ironman? You know, so they're, they're desperately looking for a sport to have over summer. Um, Channel 7's, of course, got tennis and a little bit of golf, I think, and Channel 9's got the cricket, but 10 have got nothing. You know, so I think you can really open up something here and, uh, you know, and, and, and just create it. Um, but as I say, I don't think it's... It's not just about, you know, looking at twilight versus daytime. It's about looking at the whole thing. Um, and as I say, like, I, I love it when somebody comes out and says, let's be innovative. Then, OK, let's do it, but let's be innovative. Let's not just say we are. Let's do it. Well, I guess one thing is that they got the car of the future up and we've seen 10 different winners in uh, the racing so far, John. So that innovation has certainly been a big tick. Yeah, it has. And, and it's been great to see so many uh, 
new drivers winning this year. It's great to see some young talent um, come through with uh, Scott McLaughlin and, and Chaz Mostert. So uh, it's it's really been a, a groundbreaking year from, from that point of view. Um, I guess it's just now a matter of time uh, before uh, Nissan and, and Mercedes, or the question is how long, but before uh, those manufacturers do uh, run up at the front um, with, uh, with with um, Red Bull and, and also with FPR. So, uh, and of course, I think you'll probably uh, t- touch on that a bit later on in your program, Craig, with in terms of um, fuel consumption and um, how all that will pan out for the Enduros with, uh, with Mercedes and Nissan. Mm. Well, I think at this stage, Andrew, you'd have to say, Mercedes is a lot closer to winning a race than Nissan and they came from so much further back but Ross Stone has really just put his uh, nose to the wheel and and turned around that program and they've really taken it back in house haven't they they've not using as much of the German stuff they're using a lot more of the the local stuff yeah I think uh, yeah, it's fair enough to sit back and say that um, Mercedes got a lot more concessions on their engine development program than Nissan did um, and I think that makes a huge difference, you know. Um, yeah, and for those who doubt that they got a big advantage, just stand there and have a listen to the cars to know that Mercedes were allowed to have cranks and things that other people weren't. So, you know, th- there were certain things that made Mercedes' life a lot easier to get running, um, whereas Nissan didn't get anything from them. And, uh, you know, so I think Nissan's kind of a bit, bit, uh, bit sore and a bit wounded over that. Um, but, you know, I, I think... I don't think Mercedes is necessarily any closer to winning a race than the Nissan guys. I think that, uh, you know, I reckon they're lying ball because, yeah, you can come second, third, fourth and fifth, but you've got to knock off Jamie Wincup. Um, and I don't reckon anyone's really that close in that sense, you know. So, you know, is Mercedes closer than Nissan? Not sure. Um, maybe they're slightly ahead at the moment, but I think you'll see a bit different performance this weekend from from the Nissan mob. Mm. Well, after the break, we're going to talk about Winton here on the Vat Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Hi, I am Alexandre Prema from the Fujitsu JRM team and you are listening to the V8 Insider. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Craig Gravel joined by Andrew Clark and John Bannon. And guys, we're talking about who possibly out of the new manufacturers is going to be the next new winner. Do you think we'll see the 11th different winner at Winton this weekend? Oh, are you going to pass oh, really? to me first? <laughs> yeah, okay, you go first. <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't think we will see the first, yeah, another new winner. I think you'll you'll see it fall back into normal hands that you expect. Uh, you know, Oregon FBR is just going to be bloody hard to beat there, and uh, HRT I think is coming on reasonably well at the moment. So home track advantage, but you know, Triple Eight uh, are there every day of the week, and um, yeah, I think you've got to be a very brave man to bet against them. Mm, John, I hope you're more positive than that. I think Clark is onto something, but perhaps potential winners, uh, Dave Reynolds uh, and and also Alex Davison. I think they're probably the only ones who I can see uh, surprising us uh, with their first victory of the year, uh, mainly because you know they are in 
FPR cars and you know if they qualify well uh, and put themselves in a, in a good position in the race, then uh, there's every chance that, that they'd be in the run for a, for a win over the weekend. Uh, but but other than that, uh, I think it's you, you've, the more winners you've got, probably the less likely you are to get new winners. So well, that's what I was about to say. Uh, like you got more than a third of the field already winning races. So you know you've highlighted the two Ford guys you haven't yet, but probably James Courtney's also sitting there as well, saying you know give me a race win. So you know I think if you said that they they're probably the only other three ones that I would be sitting down thinking could do it this weekend. Mm, of course, well, Courtney's having a really good season, isn't he? And he's he's really yeah. taking it to his teammate Garth Tander in every event uh, he just seems to be stronger and stronger and then if you look ahead to the Enduros being partnered with, with Greg Murphy he's got he's got a serious chance to I guess move up the leaderboard in this championship. Yeah it'll be interesting to have this chat just before Bathurst because I reckon uh, you know if they weren't pretty short odds at the moment there'd be something wrong with the world Well that's the, the interesting thing everyone's focusing on a very solid lead driver and a five time winner co-driver and yet, uh, last year you had Jamie Wincup. Uh, uh, is he a four-time winner now? But uh, he was a three-time winner then, and a won two races in his career. Paul Dumbrell. Yeah, but you're talking good, really good drivers in that sense. I mean, I think what you get by having a, a co-driver like Greg Murphy is you get flexibility. You know, it allows you to to do all sorts of other things. You know that may, you may not be able to do with the way the safety cars fall. Um, you know, and, and Murph's the kind of guy, like, he'll drive that thing like a metronome, you know. You tell him to go out there and do 2 minute 10.0 second laps and he'll do 2 minute 10.0 second laps time after time after time after time. Um, and then say, oh, Murph, you've got to go a bit quicker, and he'll go a bit quicker. So I think that's what you get from a really good co-driver, you know, is that ability. But, you know, let's not you know, mince words here. Paul Dumbrell is a bloody good driver who just didn't achieve when he was a regular driver. Mm. And I guess, John, uh, the interesting thing is that if you said to people in the street, you've, I'll give you James Courtney or I'll give you, uh, you know, uh, Wing Cup and Dumbrell, which one do you reckon they'd pick nine times out of ten? Ugh, I, I don't know if it's as clear cut as that. I, I really think that's a very 50-50 question. Uh, you've got... Well, it is one, now that they've won Bathurst, but I reckon a year ago, everyone would have taken Courtney and, and Murphy. Oh, maybe. Out of it. Yeah, and and you know Courtney isn't as proven at Bathurst as what as what Murphy is, and I think they sort of even out. I mean, in terms of Bathurst experience and and championship uh, experience and, and and the combination in general, and as Clark has just said, the car you can't forget about the car. Well, God, I'd be a chance in a Red Bull racing car up there. <laughs> I think. I think what we might do, though, is we might move that conversation to closer to Bathurst because it's yeah, going to be a fascinating one. Let's talk to Winton 360. The second last time we'll see the 60-60 format, Clarky. Yeah, um, I don't know why other people think about it, but um, I personally think it's a bit of a dud. Um, you know, I, I think the first one is just just there, just exists, and then, you, yeah, you get a pretty decent race the second time around. I mean... Um, short races with no pit stops I think have proven good uh, I think the worst thing we've ever had in this class is the need for compulsory pit stops because it means that everybody's just timed their overtaking for the pits so now the drivers actually have to drive and I think that's a great thing you know. And I think it's proven that, you, that they can do it if they have to so you know, 60-60, uh, yeah 
I think it's an experiment that didn't really succeed. Um, I think the restarts, uh, you know, they're too tightly contrived. I think that, you know, the, the, the narrowness of the window for the lead driver to accelerate has kind of made it all look a bit boring to me. Uh, that said, I'd love to see that kind of restart on every single safety car period, not just then. I think that double lane restart's the way to go, um, and it really annoys me that a couple of noisy voices inside the team ownership were able to get that banned. I mean, those people should have, you know, should be shot because they're wondering why they can't get TV rights, and then they go and cancel something like that. I mean, they're just, it's just stupidity. Well, it's your turn now to uh, talk about it, John. Well, I think variety is the spice of life and okay maybe um, the, the short race format you know hasn't necessarily at all times set the world on fire this year but it does mix things up during the course of the championship we have a mix of short races long races enduros uh, I think that keeps the sport interesting I guess the question is does it make it confusing for people um, maybe if you're not a regular uh, viewer I guess of V8 supercars but uh, I, I mean, Clarkie's also got a point. These longer races, I think, do create um, a, a bit more interest in that. I guess more can happen, more can go wrong, there can be more drama, uh, incidents. Uh, I guess the, the trouble with the short version of the race is you, potentially you will get less overtaking um, and yeah, less general, I guess, impact and incidents. So it, it depends what you're after, but I think having varieties... And that sounds like we just lost John Bannon there, Andrew Clark. It does, doesn't it? So I better keep talking. <laughs> I reckon that the uh, it's the first 60 that worries me, not the second 60. You know, because the first 60 is really just holding station. It's, you know, it's no different to a practice, you know, to a Friday practice to me. It just doesn't mean anything. Um, so, but the second 60, I reckon, has done some pretty good things. I mean, I've seen some, some good racing there, even if it is just for a few laps, but... Uh, you know, short races, uh, I think, are good. I'd, I'd love to see a 10-lap race for the same number of championship points as a 60-lap race. I reckon you'd see some real action then. Mm. Well, we certainly can't say they didn't try something, and that was the, the thing we no, were, were asking. Come back to the innovation. Like, you know, have a crack at it. If it doesn't work, cancel it, move on. If it does work, great. How do we find our next innovation? And I think, you know, you can't criticise V8 Supercars for trying something in my eyes. Um, I can criticise them for doing nothing. I can criticise them for sitting on their hands and wasting uh, opportunities, but you can't sit back and say, you know, oh, they tried something and we didn't really like it. Well, we've got John back on the line now. John, you were saying uh, about the Twin 60s. Yeah, I I just think that it's it's good to have a bit of variety in, in the sport, Craig, and uh, while I, I guess there's been some criticism uh, of the short race format this year that hasn't provided uh, the exciting racing that perhaps uh, was hoped, uh, it, it is good to have that difference, to have the short format, some longer races, some enduros. Uh, but at the same time, um, the longer format does provide for some more exciting racing uh, in terms of the amount of incidents, accidents, pit stop strategies... Uh, team strategies, everything that plays out uh, during the course of a longer event. Mm. The only the only problem I have with it, guys, is that you don't go to the MCG wondering how long the game's going to be and who's going to play and is there three teams out there or two. It you know what you're getting, and I think that's the that's my only criticism of the chopping and changing. If we knew that every time we we're going to the racetrack, we're going to see a big race on Sunday, maybe have some tinkering around qualifying on the Saturday. But then you know what you're getting. 
but if you if you turn up the racetrack and you're going hell is this three races is it four races is it two races is it one what are we doing here you just don't have the consistency and you're trying to build a fan base now obviously different tracks have got different idiosyncrasies but to to make it so different every time is what i think alienates casual viewers yeah, I don't think you're wrong, Craig, in the confusion factor. I mean, the last thing you want is for people to be confused when they're watching your product and not understand uh, what's going on. And if there is a danger that this system has done that, then there's no doubt that that's a bad thing. And probably the biggest yeah, danger, Clarky, the biggest danger, Clarky, is the fact that who won? At the end of the weekend, you've got no idea who actually won because there's been 15 different people standing on the podium. Yeah, this has always been one of my beefs. I mean, I... I I think you need one winner, you know, for a weekend. And, you know, I still keep a record of round winners because that's what I do, you know. So as far according to my records, I know who's been winning rounds as such. But um, that's why I was a big fan of the 300-kilometre races when they did them, you know, probably a decade ago now nearly. Because, you know, you had one race, you had one winner, and it was totally understandable to the to the crowd and to the audience. And the same thing, you know, NASCAR, you know. NASCAR, no matter what they do to a driver, never take away a race win on a technical infringement. You know, because the fans saw him standing up shaking milk bottles or whatever, water bottles or whatever he's doing. You know, so their view was you just don't take it away from the fans because they've already seen it and you can't change their view on the world. Uh, Formula One for yeah for 50 years, 60 years has run one race on a Sunday. They've never had to fiddle, you know. So I think if you find the right race length, you know, I got no dramas with sticking with that and and settling it in, you know. But I think yeah, you, you do have a look every so often, and I don't think that all the the altered formats and things have worked all that well. And I'd simply go back to one long race on a Sunday, that makes them you know work for their living. Mm. Well, it's certainly uh, something we're not going to fix tonight, but. Food for thought. I know that... So we uh, had all the answers, Craig. James is probably writing them down as he listens to this going, I'll speak to these guys in Winton because that's where we'll all be this weekend. Yes. Uh, Always a pleasure to catch up with you, Clarkie. Don't worry. See you on the weekend. And John Bannon, great to uh, catch up with you once again. Thanks, Clarkie. Thanks, Craig. The White Flag Lap is up next here on the V8 Insiders. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Jonathan Webb from Techno Autosports, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lap, brought to you by Munro's Shock Absorbers, we catch up with... Chris Lambden, the Independent Commissioner, to hear what he thinks about the V8 series as his two-year term is coming towards an end. Oh, it's been a very, very interesting experience, uh, I'd have to say, and of course compared with what I used to do, which was pretty much, uh, you know, publishing and media, uh, it's kind of motor racing from the other side of the fence, uh, being involved in in, in how it runs. Um, You know, the Commission's role has been... It, its job is to pretty much oversee what happens at the racetracks. 
thereby allowing the board to worry about money and, and grubby stuff like that, you know. So from my perspective, that's what interests me, and um, you know, so from that, that that point of view, it's been quite quite good fun. Has it been interesting to see the way that the commission has been integrated, and then how the different people involved in the sport work amongst trying to get things done? Uh, yes, well. I guess the way the commission was structured was was aimed at having someone from most areas. You know, there's there's three team representatives on there. There's the CEOs on there by right, uh, the chief operating officer Shane, uh, and the independent. So there's six voting members, if you like, uh, chairman who doesn't actually vote but has a casting vote if necessary, and and a, and a couple of other observers. You know, like uh, Damien White, who's the um, Sort of, he's now the manager of motorsport at V8 Supercars. People like that, that you would think it's logical to have on there, and 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 you know they're a fairly diverse bunch. And you know, on on some topics you get a fairly diverse, you know, range of views. But I'd have to say that, generally speaking, it works smoothly enough and well enough that, you know, a lot of times it doesn't come down to a cliffhanger vote. You know, there's general agreement on on most things. The mechanics of it has. It been a, a smoothly operating group. Have you been able to work within the parameters that were set two years ago, and be able to navigate all the different pitfalls that the organisation's gone through? Because the organisation, at a structural level, has undergone maybe three wholesale transformations in this time. Well, of course, we're on the I think now the third CEO. Uh, since I, since the commission was formed, you know, and and all that kind of stuff has an effect, and in, in that regardless, you know, you've got a new CEO who's finding his feet, and and uh, and that therefore, you know, a little a little hump in the road, I guess, in terms of the commission. Um, and you're right, there has been a lot of change in the in the sort of the, the business side of V8 supercars over that time. Uh, the commission itself has been pretty pretty solid. Um, you know, the three team reps. Uh, uh, placed there by the teams themselves, and and you know one of them came up for a uh, change uh, during the time. But other than that, it's been fairly smooth. Um, you know, the agenda generally comes logically from what's going on at the time. Um, I guess the commission did come in at the very tail end of the car of the future, uh, which which was sort of meant to come under its jurisdiction. But most of that was done by then, and, and it was really just. Some some late late stuff, particularly to try and save some costs, because obviously things have got tougher um, that the commission did do. Um, but uh, you know, so what, now that the car of the future is it's here uh, and it's operating, it's it's a little bit more straightforward stuff. My thanks to Chris Landon there, and that's all we have time for on this week's V8 Insiders as the checkered flag waves over another edition. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.